0: Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Atomy Brainwaves, our podcast on education for educators. Brainwaves is produced by our wonderful team here at Atomy. What is Atomy? It's an online teaching and learning platform for secondary education. We provide engaging, curriculum-specific video and text lessons for over 190 subjects, as well as matching quizzes and exam practice that can be used for both learning and formative assessment. We also provide powerful analytics that can help teachers diagnose how their students are progressing and zero in on who might need a little bit of extra help. Our goal is to help make life easier for our teachers, give them more time to work on the most important things, and ultimately help to generate better outcomes. If you want to find out more about Atomy, head over to our main site at getatomy.com and feel free to try it out for free. Today, I spoke with Stephen Colber, Melbourne-based educator and online education personality. We discussed Stephen's journey with regards to teaching with technology, the opportunities and challenges that come with being a prominent figure in an online teaching community, and what teaching with technology will look like beyond 2021. If that sounds good to you, feel free to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to subscribe to podcasts. And while you're at it, why not leave us a quick five-star review? For now, give this episode a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Teach us anything. What you want me to teach you something? You want to learn something? All right. You got it. Hey everybody, welcome back to Atomy Brainwaves. As always, it's me, your host Simon, and I'm joined today by a very special guest, Stephen Colbert, Melbourne based educator, founder of the academic teaching group, edureading, teachers across borders Australia Secretary, and online education personality welcome Stephen.
1: thank you that's quite an introduction nicely done <laughs> oh,
0: well listen uh, gotta gotta get all the pertinent information out gotta do so quickly as well because as i was saying right before we came on air i do appreciate that i think it is it's about 10 p.m your time maybe a little past 10 and uh, mm. which is i know is way past my bedtime. so uh very much appreciate you uh you taking the time to to come on and chat to us at this uh, at this late hour if you if you fall asleep at any point during the conversation do not worry Uh, we can we can certainly power through but to begin that conversation anyway um, so what we're going to be talking about today as uh, is a topic that probably came through in the intro is one certainly of expertise for you which is you know teaching with technology and specifically teaching with technology in 2021. But before we kind of get into the weeds on that, as always, with our guests, I'm going to ask you to start us off by just giving us a run through of your journey in education so far, where you started, the different twists and turns along the way, which brought you
1: to where you are now. Yeah, beautiful. Um, I guess it's relatively linear. I uh, studied an arts degree was the plan. I figured uh, you can't go wrong with arts. Surely that'll be fun. Added in an education degree, Um, you know, we started out with about 500 teachers to be and we ended up with about 30 or 40. And I started to realize by the fourth year, maybe, I, you know, I had had what it took to be a teacher um, and 11 years later, maybe I do now. I definitely didn't at the start, but, you know, uh, it's come to be a possibility. Um, And a big part of that, as you mentioned, is obviously bringing the technology element into it. Uh, and in probably the last three or four years, I've started to kind of, you know, speak on behalf of and represent teachers some in, in certain places. Most recently at the International Labour Organization, where we're speaking about the future world of work. So that's the kind of stuff that gets me excited, kind of, you know, how does technology fit with the future and teaching and education and how can it all work together? Um, I've been at the same school for 11 years, um, but I've managed, I think, to keep things interesting for myself through a whole range of different uh, nerdy teacher things most prominently probably bringing teachers together to collaborate and kind of engage with research, share ideas, use new technologies to kind of push the boundaries of what's possible and what, you know, could be good teaching. But yeah, it's been a a wild ride, but, uh, only in my mind, in a, in a geographic sense, I've stayed in the same place and continued teaching in the same school, but lots of fun in between.
0: Yeah. Very nice. Well, an interesting journey for sure and and it's interesting that that's how you should almost close out your answer talking about how in a in a physical sense it stayed in in one spot but of course as as we we know now uh it, in contrast to what the world was like 20 30 years ago it 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 matters so much less where you are and one can be almost very well traveled in a certain sense through the use of technology through the online world and with that in mind, one thing I just wanted to shine a focus on with regards to your journey is how, how technology, obviously, specifically education technology, came to be such a prominent part of your specific journey and, and your work. Because, you know, not to not to say this technology can't be something that comes to you purely through schools, it of course can, but I think it would be fair to say that for most uh, for most schools in, in Australia or in, in the UK or in the US, it remains something that is a, something of a slow-growing phenomenon, shall we say. Maybe in the last couple of years, not so much, but certainly over the course of the last 10 years, there could have been a sense that maybe not reluctance, but just not an awful amount of speed with which schools as institutions have taken up technology, which leads me to asking about you as as an individual you know how did integrating technologies and the online world etc how how did that come about for you what what was it that led you to i guess deviate from the norm in that sense
1: yeah I think probably my my teaching for many years was pretty standard like I think um, beginning as a teacher you're kind of a big part of what you're expected to do is sort of learn the ropes and do things. Um for, for most of us, the way we were taught and you kind of just think, well, at a certain point, you you feel like, well, I'm, I've, I can now teach in the same way that my teachers taught me, you know, back, at, back in our own schooling years. Um, for me, probably the turning point was uh, after maybe five or six years, I felt like I'd got the basics down. I could teach, you know, we could cover the content. Um, and I had the good fortune of having the opportunity to, to teach the same thing over a number of years. So the same content, the same ideas um often multiple classes so you know i could differentiate if i had you know a really able class and a less able class you know do all those sort of things but to me the thing that changed everything for me was probably 2016 um i had a powerpoint on poetry i think poetry meta language that i had sort of refined i felt like this was this powerpoint's it i've nailed it um and i thought surely there must be a way for me to record it on my computer and turn it into a video and so um, you know, the, the lens was blurry, the audio was terrible, my hair was a mess, yada, yada, yada. It was awful. Um, but I, because of that video, I never had to teach that same PowerPoint again, 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 when I had the same subject, the same content. Um, and so to me, then I feel like my teaching sort of jumped, jumped into light speed because I realized, okay, well, I'm not giving up like an hour to go through that same thing that I've already taught that I feel like I know really well. And then I thought, well, obviously I'll have to keep doing that for the other things that I teach, that I know, that I've refined, that I've done well. Um, So to me, that was the key piece because that moved from just using technology and, you know, um, at least, you know, pre-COVID it was all use this app, use this app, uh, and they're all, you know, the hard part was working out the actual relevance to you as a teacher. But once I had this idea, okay, well, this very small shift in practice because, you know, presenting a PowerPoint from the front versus presenting it to no one uh, beforehand is a very small tweak. And it's not, you know, big flashing lights, you know, artificial reality, VR, anything like that. It's straightforward, simple, um, but that freed me up to try everything else that kind of that I do now and sort of still is the basis of what I talk about, what I try and, you know, preach to make it sound religious um because yeah the main thing is i don't think teachers uh, hear themselves teach they don't see themselves teach uh and so i think video is really important for them to see that and that's how you start to improve because you hear yourself back and you think wow you know the way i spoke to that student was this that whatever um the way i explained that concept was this that whatever my speaking pattern is always this and you can kind of start to unpick the actual process of teaching so yeah that was sort of this turning point for me when I started to think technology can can free me up and then that's when you get sort of you go back in time and you start to think you know let's look at the socratic method let's look at group work discussion let's you know use, use inquiry whatever it is and for each teacher that'll be a different thing but once you you know unlock technology that allows you to explore those things more easily um, by freeing up some time then you know you've got a real you've got something really happening there and I guess Post twenty twenty one, we'll be looking for AI to do those things for us a little bit more, so that we can be freer to be more human, more present, more more human, um, so that the technology can sit in the background and make those things a little bit easier for us. I hope.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, it's a, it's it's, a, it's really interesting, all encompassing answer. You've almost stepped on the toes of uh, a few future future questions with regard to what's coming post twenty twenty one. But we'll uh, we'll certainly get onto that in a little bit. Before we do. One thing I just wanted to ask you about is, obviously, our conversation is focused around technology, but a really important starting point, I think, and I'm sure you'll agree, is to talk about, first and foremost, the, the theories and approaches, pedagogical theories and approaches that underpin uh one's teaching and by extension, the use of technology, because really that's obviously, of course, the starting point that you need to come from, you know, what, what kind of way are you trying to teach? What sort of lessons are you trying to impart? What are the strategies that you believe are best to impart them as a starting point? And then, you know, next stop on the road is, and what are the resources, the technologies online, offline, that that I should be using to, uh, to put these approaches these theories these strategies into action so i guess a bit of a two-parter first and foremost what would you describe as as the pedagogical pedagogical rather theories and approaches that underpin your uh, style of teaching and following on from that how is it that you enhance these approaches put them into action through the use of technology cool
1: great question um i guess for me, um, and because c- I spend perhaps more time than I should talking to teachers or presenting to teachers, um, originally I would have said, well, flip learning is the pedagogy I apply um, the kids watch the videos at home and in class they do this and that and this and that. Um, but increasingly, um, the pedagogy I adopt depends on the class that I'm looking at and a whole range of other things, how confident they are with technology, how trustworthy they are with technology, all those sort of things. Um, play into the picture Um, but for me like the things that excite me are basically student voice and kind of trying to bring the idea of democracy into the classroom so students having a choice maybe a vote whatever it is um, but getting them to actually actively discuss with one another is sort of the kinds of the times when I feel like I'm teaching the best and you know contrastingly maybe I'm teaching the least but that's when they're learning the most so those are the types of things that I try to get happening. Um, so sort of moving away from your simple behaviorist, you know, I give the knowledge. Uh, I use this app that gives them feedback, good, bad, carrot, stick, you know, simple binary thinking and trying to make it a little bit more flexible, a little bit more fluid, the way students are learning. Um, but as I said before, like, that's that's my interpretation. The, my method, My method and my methodology have sort of freed up me to experiment more with those sort of things Um, someone once told me that you know an average teacher across once across an entire year might have you know at the end of a unit like two or three examples or instances where they'd actually be asking students questions and doing those discussion parts like it's a very rare thing you know the kids have finished all the work and we can actually have a discussion um, but I feel like using technology has freed, freed up more of those times, more of those spaces for those kind of things to happen. Um, and so, yeah, technology allows me to do the things that I want to do more and the things that I think are most beneficial more often. Um, so, yeah, without getting too much into the weeds of technology-wise and hows, um, that to me is the aim. And I guess the ancillary aim is to sort of make accessible technology and inclusive technology that allows all of my learners to succeed not just the ones that are you know adept at listening to me talk or click through a powerpoint or do you know written work or those sort of things so yeah that's the pedagogy that's what i use it for but i i open it up to others to sort of explore that space for them what what good pedagogy means in their context in their in their world
0: yeah absolutely and it's a it's a really good overview of the of the picture uh, as you as you see it as you view it as you enact it but I just might ask you know you said there to not get too into the uh, into the weeds of it if I might I might ask you if you could to now obviously I'm sure you could talk to us all day about the different specific examples uh different challenges and, and different usages of technology within the context of those challenges but if there were any particular examples that would spring to mind it could be a specific instance. Or, or recurring uh, use of, of, of a certain technology that um, that you can use to highlight. But just uh, if we can just get a little bit into those weeds, um, mm-hmm. uh, please go ahead and, and, and share that example or one or two examples that spring to mind uh, with us.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so the things that probably excite me the most would be um, as an English teacher, the main problem or one of the main problems that we face is the idea that um, you meet your students or you know you farewell them and you say here's a book you know it's 300 pages go and read that and come back next year and um, you know tell us what you learned or what you thought about it or all those sort of things. Um, and that to me is where you w- you want to have as many online tools as possible so that the student can say i got up to page 50 got confused, where, where can the teacher or how can the teacher give me guidance or support on those? And so that's when you know I would use something like an annotation guide. So they go home with you know a set of highlight, a set of post-its. They know what they're looking for. You kind of word them up on the story, what they're seeking out as they read. It might be videos, it might not be, um, but those sort of things. So you're solving what you know has been for time immemorial a problem for English teachers, and you're kind of trying to transport the teacher to that space Um, another example that excited me recently we had uh, we have a lightboard so it's basically a whiteboard made of glass um, and we had a whole all of our maths teachers in a room standing in front of the lightboard teaching uh specific lessons to their students and they use that to differentiate so uh the you know the expert teacher for the advanced maths jumped up and said okay well here's here's how you here's how i would explain the concept for the higher level student." Then another teacher jumped in and did the same for the kind of middle of the range. And then another teacher jumped in and did the sort of the, uh, the struggling student version, let's say. So different levels of the same task, different teachers. And, of course, the best practice bit was that, you know, after the, after the first teacher had finished, you know, everyone sort of backseat teaching from the side and yelling out, oh, you should have drawn the diagram this way, and oh, you forgot to mention this step, and yada, 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 mm-hmm. um, and kind of building teacher capacity that way. But then when you flip it to the students themselves, so they can sort of be acting, accessing the content that's most relevant and sort of suitable to them. So kind of, you know, the idea of a branching test or a branching path. Um, If you think of most classes and most schools, students sort of move along one track, um, either going one year ahead, one year behind, perhaps, uh, you know, the accelerated class or the decelerated class, um, but very much in a straight line on a track very bound to that sort of course. Um, And so technology gives you that possibility to have multiple teachers presenting to them. You know, you can access the entire world of teachers, those willing to share online and kind of differentiate that way. So those are just two examples of kind of the way relatively simple technology can solve or provide new possibilities for things that we've always had problems we've always faced.
0: Hey folks, hope you're enjoying the episode so far, and we've got plenty more to come after this quick break. Here at Atomy Brainwaves, we're all about education, and not just for students, for ourselves too. We would love to hear from you, whether that's feedback on one of our episodes or a question you'd like to see answered by one of our guests or by Sue. So if you've got a comment or a question, don't hesitate to email us at brainwaves at Looking forward to hearing from you. In the meantime, let's get back to it. Yeah, that's it's it's really interesting. Uh, some really interesting examples and, and kind of perspective and view into the the classroom and how this uh, technology can be utilized within the classroom to provide that extra that extra help and, and and put these theories and approaches into practice. And I suppose where I wanted to go next is a little bit of a pivot, in one sense, away from. From the classroom, but obviously, or, or, or so I think it remains very much connected to it. And, and that is to talk a little bit about your online presence as an educator, which is with regards to education, with regards to any industry, uh, is still a relatively recent thing. You know, the ability to have an online presence and to conduct a, a certain amount, be that a lot or a little of your work through that uh, through that lens, but it's obviously something that for you is it, it is is definitely a, a, a major part of, or at least a significant part of the work that you do as an educator. I was hoping you could just talk about that and and tell us a bit, I guess, about first of all the development and growth and how you almost got into that uh, that world, and even more specifically and importantly how that presence can be leveraged uh, by yourself and others for, for good in an education sense, for connection, for the provision of resources to, to other teachers, even to yourself. So, yeah, if you could just tell us a little bit about, about, um, about Stephen Colbert, the online uh, presence as a teacher.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I guess the, and I was only just speaking, I was just speaking about this earlier tonight, in fact. Um, your average teacher sort of takes the approach of like, they want to be invisible online. They don't want, um, you know, for most teachers, the worst case scenario is, you know, one of their students Googles their name, finds a picture, you know, draws some horns on it or something like that. They, you know, they're very afraid of those sort of things. You, you lock down your Facebook, you make up a fake name that, you know, your friends would know that but, but your students wouldn't. Um, I, for some reason, have sort of gone in the opposite direction. So, a common sort of discussion students would have with me would be like, "Oh, we found you on the internet," and I sort of would will say, basically, "Knock yourself out." There's like you know, 600 odd videos of me teaching. If you want to watch them, you can, and usually they uh, they don't, not surprisingly. Um, So it's you know, like maybe more candor than your average teacher, but there's a lot of stuff out there, and it's mostly aimed at teachers. So for students, most of them find it and go. This is strange. I don't know why why there's a lot of pictures of him or videos or whatever it is, articles. Um, And then they kind of go, oh, well, and go on with their lives because, you know, they're adolescents and they're not that uh, interested in teachers' work, which is understandable and fair enough. Um, For me, probably Twitter would be the main place that I spend uh, an inordinate amount of time and kind of cultivating sort of a professional learning network or a professional learning community community. really important to me just because uh with my work overseas as you mentioned teachers across borders australia i sort of i've worked a lot with cambodian teachers american teachers swedish teachers and to me there's something quite core and sort of uh similar about us all and so i feel like uh, moving that onto a global online space is really important so that we can find those commonalities between all teachers regardless of where they are and try and build communities to strengthen and empower one another because, from what we know about you know teachers and education, there are their conditions perhaps pay in many respects perhaps aren't the best, um, especially in probably the you know what we think of as the more developed countries. Um, it's still quite poor in those respects, and so I think it's beholden upon us to put ourselves out there as much as we can and show the complexity of the work that we do, and you know how passionate we are about it and the ways that. You know we might be able to improve the system and go forward from there so to me yeah having an online presence initially didn't make a lot of sense um, but then probably turning up at my first uh, you know face-to-face teaching conference and having people already know who i was and the kinds of things i was doing i was kind of like oh this seems this i didn't realize we were a community until we were face-to-face and you start to think oh this is there's really something useful happening here and as you say Um, You know, from the outside looking, you'd be thinking it's all trading resources and those sort of things, but it's probably more about building circles of mentorship. Like you kind of, you know, you start off and you're in your school, all of your mentors work in the same building as you, but going online, you know, you get a slightly bigger circle and then you learn what those mentors have to share. And then you keep going and keep going and finding new new layers and new systems, even new countries where you have different teachers with different approaches, different ideas. So sort of that iterative improvement that should be the goal for everyone, but teachers especially, I think, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's you know, really heartening to hear that that, that world can exist and that community can be achieved and reached and uh, beyond merely the immediate physical face-to-face teachers who you work with in the school. And of course, as you're saying, there's so many benefits that can arise from that. One, I mean... One aspect that I do just want to ask and get your thoughts a little bit about is obviously those are the positives and we've talked about that with regards to social media, the online world, Twitter, probably particularly there is another side to that world, which is perhaps not quite so positive. There's, you know, an element of, you know, at the worst end, toxicity to the discourse. Uh now, generally speaking, the the layman will know this through the the world of thinking of maybe political discourse and, and and how toxic that can become. And I'm sure that in in terms of the education world, it's not nearly we won't see nearly as much kind of difficult kind of uh conversations happening. But I just wanted to ask whether that kind of propensity for social media to also create these kind of negative conversations or echo chambers, uh, whether that's something that you have encountered at all. and, And if so, to teachers listening who are maybe looking to get involved in the online world and the online community themselves, how is that something that they can avoid and learn to recognize and steer clear of in favour of the more positive uh, sides of the online education world, which you've already told us about.
1: For sure. I mean, as a nice little illustration, I guess, of the kind of what you talk about, the kind of insulated little bubble that we live in, or online especially. Um, So today, uh, being Tuesday on Monday, I was published as a small little op-ed in our sort of national newspaper, And so if I go onto my social media, there's all these other teachers saying, oh, this is great. Totally agree. You know, yep, we're with you. Um, If I then, and I haven't yet, but if I eventually come around, probably in five to ten days, um, come around to the original post, which is, you know, not within my bubble, um, there'll be a lot of people saying, oh, you know, teachers have such long holidays and, oh, stop being leftist, you know, pinko, blah, 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 communist, whatever it is, whatever hot button uh, words they might choose to describe a teacher who, you know, tries to keep up with the modern world uh, rather than staying in the past. Um, so that that's, that's a thing that sort of comes at a certain level of, you know, visibility, I guess. Um, there's certain things in education that we just avoid. And like, you know, uh, a lot of them are kind of there's a big think tank, you know, who says, okay, well, for literacy, this is the way you should approach it. Uh, you know, when educational research, here's what's right and here's what's wrong. And anytime you get those sort of big, big, powerful groups supporting an idea, that's a pretty good sign that you should sort of steer clear. Um, and the way you can tell that that's happening is sort of you rather than one person saying, I disagree, uh, you kind of get eight eight and ten, eight to ten people jumping on all at the same time in a way that feels a little bit organized, a little bit uh, prepared, let's say. Uh, and those are the kind of topics that you think, okay, well, it's best not just, it's best to avoid discussing these publicly. Uh, you know, within your own classroom, your own school, you can discuss it, do what you want, uh, follow your heart, I guess. But there's certain things online that, and um, your context would be different to mine, but there's certain sort of hot button issues that are kind of best to be avoided, I would say. But I mean, you know, connecting with the online world is ultimately connecting with the world. And, uh, you know, I don't think as teachers or educators staying in our own little safe bubbles, be they actual physical schools or online spaces is necessarily the answer either, because we have a commitment to the broader community, to the parents, to the students, to, you know, the society that we're part of to kind of do our best to improve that. And that is, after all, kind of the goal of teaching to make things better for people. So there are things to be avoided, but I think that for me, at least, the positives vastly outweigh the negatives. So I would encourage people to sort of jump on and explore that for themselves if they're, if they're brave enough, perhaps.
0: Mm, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's totally fair. And, and I mean, what, what also possibly has to be acknowledged is that, you know, while everything is amplified in an online world where there's so many more voices added to any specific conversation it really is in some ways it's just an exaggeration of what you're going to come up against in the real world as well right because we've all we're all going to have people who we we agree with and we're all going to have people who we disagree with and you're going to encounter those in your day-to-day life anyway and 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 i suppose if you know how to deal with that in in a in a good positive constructive manner in in terms of tactile, face-to-face interaction apply the same, would it be fair to say that applying the same principles to the online world should all prove uh, also prove effective?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the benefit of doing having some sort of an online presence is, you know, if I meet someone face-to-face for the first time, they have no, no opinion or bearing on, you know, what I've done before, my experience, my commitment, those sort of things. But... Um, if you know if we have the same interaction online there is you know you can do a quick google search and say okay well this person's been doing this for this long uh you know there's a whole bunch of stuff out there of them trying to do things that look like they're trying to do the the right thing by their students and so you can sort of have a certain you know bona fide you know here's here's the proof of practice here's the the fact that i do it day in and day out to sort of support my points i'm not just kind of coming at it as a fresh, fresh faced person who's not been in this space before. So I think that's probably one of the benefits of doing it online, I would say. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose just yeah, with you know, on that same topic of the online community and this online world, and I suppose the visibility uh that you would have there and and, and expertise as being a part of that world, you know, obviously as comes up in, in every conversation we're all having. So much has changed over the last eighteen months in every corner of uh, of our lives. Education, you know, certainly as much as anything else, and a move towards the online has has become really necessary uh, in 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 lots of ways for everyone involved in the education world: teachers, students, parents, schools, you name it. To, to what extent have you found that, that online community that you were talking about that, that you exist as a part of and, and that interaction that you can have? To what extent has that changed over the last 18 months? My my guess in asking you would be the change has certainly been one of growth and of more voices being added to the mix. Has that been the case? And if so, what has that been? Has that been a positive? change in the midst, obviously, of extremely negative circumstances, but has that been, has that brought positivity? Has it brought more challenges? If so, how do you respond to those challenges? Yeah, I guess the question I'm asking is that what has the change been like um, over the past 18 months with regards to the the flocking, I suppose, of, of, of everyone in education to a certain extent to, to their computer screens and to the online world?
1: Yeah, well, for so kind of People like myself sort of, you know, we've spent years, year upon year saying, oh, you know, you should be using video and, you know, you can video conference and oh, there's this thing called Zoom and t- Teams and Google and oh, it's great and you should try it out. And, you know, um, I remember vividly uh, before any COVID things happened, our head of learning technology sort of said, oh, he was sick for a day, but he was able to, you know, use video conferencing to still teach his class. And sort of people thought, oh, but, you know, but he's sick. He shouldn't have done that. And but he was sort of saying, "Oh, but you can, and it's possible." And everyone said, "Ah, oh, what, when, when, or why would we ever need that?" And then you know, of course, <laughs> it came in rather handy for us as a school to be quite prepared for that and quite across that already. Um, in terms of people joining us on the online space, like for a simple simple example, um, in 2019 we were running Teach Meets, which is basically you get a whole bunch of teachers in a room, a small number of teachers in a room. And um, they do two-minute or eight-minute presentations on a topic of their choosing uh, or a theme. And so, you know, we, would, we had maybe three of those events in 2019. We had maybe like 10, 20, and 30 people um, from a, a regional area, from our local area, come around and join the discussion and do that, and then go out for dinner after, you know, nice community-building event. Um, in COVID, we run the same event for, you know, 500, 600, 800 teachers, um, and obviously that was the height of COVID. So everyone was kind of like, you know, how do we learn? How do we do things uh, in this new, you know, approach? Um, but, yeah, that, that change in numbers is dramatic and significant because I think before then there was a real sense of, you know, uh, the people engaging online using technology were the 1% of the 1%. Like we're a tiny fraction. Um, and then all of a sudden it felt like people were joining us and kind of saying, oh, those things you've been, you know, banging on about uh, for years... Uh, It it seems prudent that we might now um, explore those a bit more. And so kind of, I think, 2020, um, I might have made 20, 27 presentations, I think, different forums, different countries, different places. Um, The same stuff I would have done at face-to-face conferences, um, but there was just much more of an audience for it. And for people in a similar position to me, kind of, you know, doing these sort of technology-based things, it's just such a nice... Nice thing to hear people coming to the ideas we've been talking about in their own way. So not coming to us and learning oh, this is the right way or the wrong way, but coming about trying to solve the same problem that we've been trying to solve for years in their own unique ways and in their own pedagogical ways that, you know, match their beliefs and their system. So in, in that respect alone, and obviously, you know, there's a whole bunch of privilege that sits behind that exciting, excitable answer. Um, there's a whole lot of negatives behind there as well but yeah the community sort of has really strengthened and I've been impressed to see the sort of the innovation out of our teaching colleagues and the way that we've been able to collaborate online especially has been really impressive yeah
0: yeah which I suppose yeah I mean as we said it's uh it's too far to call anything to do with uh to do with COVID a positive but at least we can say you know that that in the face of adversity, there's been changes that have uh, that have meant growth can continue to be made in certain areas. And I suppose that the flip side of this is, uh, if that's looking backward over the past 18 months of those changes, the flip side of this is looking forward throughout the rest of 2021. And we're about halfway through the year now and and even beyond that. And what, you know, you as someone for whom the online world and technology is such a huge, has been such a huge part of your education journey and and you've witnessed all of these changes that have taken place. As we move forward, you know, going to cautiously say towards a time, but a point in the future where we might reach a point where there won't be as strong a need or as urgent a need for everything to exist online, for these technological resources where we can, you know, obviously depending where you are in the world, where you are getting back into classrooms and where that kind of, it'll be the new normal, of course, but whereas some sort of a return to what we had before, as we move towards that, do you see the the changes that have happened with regards to the use of technological resources and the move towards lessons being learned online and using these online video conferencing, et cetera, uh, for our benefit. Is this something that you think is going to continue, that's here to stay? Is it something that as soon as we don't need it anymore, people are going to say, hallelujah, let's let go of this and forget all about it? Or is it somewhere? is it somewhere between the two?
1: I guess, yeah. And so if you had asked me that question about a year ago, I would have been deeply concerned that we would have just snapped back to what we did before. Um, if I think in my my experience as a Victorian teacher, we've sort of been in and out of lockdown. We've just hit 140 odd days of teaching via a computer. Um, but in the sort of breaks between those lockdowns, in, in many respects we went back to the way we've always taught um, but I think the changes will be perhaps less obvious. I mean, I'd like to think that all teachers will now teach through a blended approach and they'll be able to produce their own content and the kids can watch it in their own time, video conference with one another, etc. cetera. Uh, maybe even other schools do all those kind of collaborative things that we would love to see. But it might come in more subtle ways. Like for us, we, you know, twice a year we meet with the parents and their, and our students and us and kind of do a bit of a collaborative thing. Um, I can't see that ever returning face-to-face because the sheer convenience of, for parents at least, you know, they're all working, they've come back from work, they have to then, you know, get dressed up and come into the school to meet the teachers and do all those sort of things. I don't think we'll ever do that again because you can do it much easier with Zoom and there's or or alternatives. um, And so I don't think those sort of things will come back. Similar, like, you know, small things like that, you know, whole school presentations, uh, forums, subject selection, expos—all these small little things—I think you'll see significant changes there. And then once you once you start to chip away at things like that, then then there's possible possibilities for real systemic change. Because the thing that sort of hampers most teachers is, um, you know, as I'm sure other your other guests have talked about, kind of the the bells, the timetables, the rooms, the buildings—everything uh, in a school is kind of square square blocks. Um, and so until those square blocks you know start to be a little bit more rounded on the edges or more flexible um, it's not necessarily very quick to see how these technological changes these changes in our teachers especially could fit because as soon as you get back you jump back into the box you're restricted by you know class starts here ends here keep all the kids inside the room uh, don't let they can't you know go and record a podcast you know under a tree it's sort of all of those things become, while they're possible they become a little bit more tricky, let's say. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And and listen, I suppose ultimately
0: time will time will tell, won't it, where we uh where where things are. And of course, you know, as as we all are so familiar with, external factors will have their say. But um you know I, I guess a, a, a note of cautious optimism, I think it would be fair to say in your voice there with regards to what um whatever positives can be taken going forward with uh, with our schools, with our teaching within our classrooms uh, to help make changes for the better. And uh, that is as positive a note as, uh, as any to finish our main conversation on. However, before I let you go, I'm just gonna ask you for one more thing. Whenever we finish up with a guest, we like to guess their hot tip of the day. Now this can be a little, quick piece of advice to our teacher listeners it can be a little anecdote if you prefer from your teaching experiences it can be super serious it can be very lighthearted. totally up to you but what is your hot tip for us Stephen uh, before we let you go
1: well, wow, look, I'm I'm currently regretting the fact I haven't prepared a pithier uh, response to this.
0: <laughs> Listen, it's almost it's almost eleven at this stage. Yeah,
1: uh, that's you right. Are, so so it's don't boring. you worry. Yeah. Um, my only advice is to uh, uh, teacher colleagues is I guess just keep keep reading, keep writing, keep learning, keep trying to get better. Tr- try to avoid doing the same thing you've always done. Uh, I think there's enough of that within our system. And if that's for you, it's if that's technology, then use technology. And if it's something else, use that thing to try and keep doing things differently so that hopefully the future perhaps could be a little bit different as we op- semi-optimistically said.
0: <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a very solid, strong, concise piece of advice for me to take with me for the rest of my afternoon here in Ireland for you to take with you, I'm sure, to bed uh, back now that it's... Uh, <laughs> the lateness of our there but again Stephen thank you so much for for that piece of advice for your wisdom throughout the chat uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on
1: yeah thanks for having me on I appreciate it Cheers. no no
0: worries at all if you like what you've heard here today you can check us out on our main site at getademy.com or you can listen to more episodes on whatever platform you're listening to this on for the time being it's going to be goodbye from Stephen goodbye. And goodbye from me. Take care.